Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through your patronage that you provide through the Focus Fire Chat team's podcast or Podbean crowdfunding, we are able to actually provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the game streams, website, and other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps, and for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for all of your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for the 22nd installment of our Extra Lore series, recorded live on January 3rd, 2018. I got it right. Over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Big shout out to our live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Our topic for this chat is going to be an introductory look into dead space. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have our resident Gunter extraordinaire, green-eyed music lover. Green, have you any thoughts on the topic for tonight? I will be good. I will listen. I will not <laughs> mute everyone. <laughs> I, will, I will take in and I will criticize with an open mind. And by, and by everybody, she means me. Yes, because if any... If, okay, you guys don't realize how big of a scaredy cat I am when it comes to anything. Oh, okay. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. I like I can deal with psychological stuff mm-hmm. to an extent, but things that are like jump scare heavy, I don't like. I had nightmares about gremlins for months <laughs> after watching it for the first time when I was like seven. Just add water, kids. No, no, no. <laughs> Bad beard. <laughs> uh, my job is already starting with flying colors in 2018. Uh, this is wonderful. Oh, it's so good to know that I haven't lost my touch. Well, as you can hear, that is our grizzly lore fiend himself, Beard Grizzly. And uh, Beard is actually going to kind of play a dual role. Not only is he going to be a, the normal co-host, he's actually the expert that we have on for this one. So, uh, because... Like I've played, I've played the first first iteration of or first title in the series. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm sure that you've heard that Green is enamored with the series, so you know. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> so, Beard, what are what are your preliminary thoughts on Dead Space? Oh boy, where do I start? Uh, so actually, my initial bits with Dead Space, I would never have gotten into the series. If it wasn't for a uh, friend of mine over at work back when the game came out in 2008 uh, that said, this game is awesome. You need to pick it up and play it. Uh, And I was like, hmm, okay, why do I need to pick it up and play it? As soon as he said it was uh, anything kind of like, you know, science fiction uh, Mm -hmm. related to Alien, I was like immediately, okay, I got to pick this up. Uh, Alien serves to be one of my favorite franchises of all time. So in that respect, when I heard it was somewhat similar to that, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll pick this up. I had no idea I was going to end up uh, loving it near as much as I did, uh, especially with the characters, the story, and a lot of the other elements that are kind of plagued behind it. Uh, because it isn't just like what's presented in your face. So, like I give visceral or at least what they were known at that point uh ea redwood shores uh, a lot of credit for what they had done with the initial game 
Uh, I just kind of built it up from there. But the an original Dead Space, I have now played through 24 times. Uh, I make it a point to play that game at least every year uh, if I am not able to get to the other couple that are out there, uh, which would at least in the mainstay be Dead Space 2 and 3. Uh, but Dead Space 1 remains to be my favorite in the series for for sure. Uh, but at least in terms of like my overall thoughts on it, yeah, they, it's just... If you have not played Dead Space, do yourself the favor of kind of tracking it down. Uh, I know Steam has it on sale every now and, and again. It is yeah, so Xbox, worthwhile. Xbox has it on backwards compatible now as well because it right. was a game. It was a game for gold uh, a couple months ago, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know they were they were expanding it a little bit more. I think I'd seen two and three got got added to that list too. So yeah, and I know that fairly... I know that they're on the backwards compatible. I don't know if they've been games for gold mm-hmm. yet. I don't. I don't think so. I I would love them to do like a an HD remaster of all of them just to kind of bring that out to the consoles. I know at least like fifty people that would buy that. Like off the top of my head, uh, that is how ridiculous it all would be. Uh, but yeah, that's where I uh, that's where I kind of am with the uh, with the series in general. Uh, love everything about it. Period. As you guys will probably end up hearing tonight, but uh, easily one of my favorites out there. Cool. All right. Well, before we get into the thick of it with with Beard's thoughts on Dead Space, um, let's run through real quick some housekeeping notes. Before we start off the chat, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last Extra Lore episode, we discussed the Hellblade Sinuous Sacrifice game. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out the new FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing, as well as helping us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering, where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. We try to stream a recap of this month-long conversation on the first Wednesday of each month. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found in our show notes or on our website. These include podcasts focused on Destiny, such as Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, a Destiny group dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings, Ghost and Echoes, which is a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny One, and the network's newest edition, This Guardian Life, which is a podcast from the casual Guardian's perspective that highlights all Guardians, large and small. We also have a non-Destiny-focused podcast, The Enthusiast Life, which is a podcast discussing a wide range of fun topics from within the entertainment world. Our next extra lore is going to be a discussion on the lore of Warhammer 40k, so be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in on that conversation. With all that being said, Beard, where do you think is the best place to start when looking for a really basic understanding of Dead Space? <laughs> basic understanding, <laughs> he says. <laughs> all right. Uh, where does it all begin? So... I know that we've got a few things that are kind of written here, but I'm actually going to go back as far as uh, the book, which is at least the first one called Dead Space Martyr. Uh, Martyr does kind of go into some heavy spoiler territory, but it does introduce you 
to some uh, fairly important and prominent characters throughout the rest of the series. Uh, the first big one, and realistically the one that uh, kind of ties throughout most of it, is called Michael Altman. Michael Altman is a geologist, and he actually is somebody that finds the original uh, black marker, which happens about 200 years ago uh, from where the original Dead Space kind of takes place. Uh, the, that's kind of the thing that I like about Dead Space is that it does have this this idea of at least a past and uh, future time or present time that's kind of going on with it that kind of uh, overshadows itself but doesn't really because they're all concurrent time points. Uh, boy, oh boy. Dead Space is convoluted. Uh mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I I like about it because it does take a little bit to really wrap your head around it. Uh, But the the whole premise behind it is that Earth is effectively uh, very similar to how it is with with Alien. Again, uh, they've effectively ran out of resources. Like, Earth has been mined to the absolute core. There's nothing left of it. Uh, Pollution is at an all-time high. Uh, Overpopulation is just very much a thing. Luna has now basically been populated by a, a bunch of different cities. Uh, it, it's basically just ran rampant. And the whole idea is to now try to figure out different resources and different means to keep humanity alive. Uh, one of these measures ends up being this this black marker that, excuse me, Michael Altman and others have actually uncovered. Uh, basically out of the, if I if I recall right, it's not the Mariana Trench uh but it is one of the very uh, deeper trenches that uh, it'll take me a little. It sounds like this it sounds the like one, the Mariana Trench. Is it a, I, the, the one under the ocean? I'm assuming is it, what you're talking about. It it is, but there is a uh, there is another. <clears throat> do, 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 do. It's the one thing I forgot to triple check because I knew it and I. You knew, you knew it until it came time to talk about it, and then you didn't know uh, it. Yeah, that always happens to mm-hmm. me, and I knew I should have wrote it down. Uh, Pyordo Chicxulub. Uh, it is a another uh, fairly deeper pit that basically exists underneath the uh, ocean. Uh, but long story short, they ended up recovering this thing, and it is, in fact, an alien artifact. Uh, when all is said and done, it turns out we were kind of lucky. And I'll I'll get there in a little bit, but with this marker, this marker has effectively the the ability to generate energy to some degree, but it also sends out these really harmful signals. Uh, and there's going to actually be a a topic or of conversation that kind of shows up between destiny and here. Uh, that mm-hmm. I think kind of does a very uh, th- this game does a better job of explaining what convergence is all about <laughs> than Destiny oh. to right now. Uh, but anyway, so Michael Altman, his team end up recovering this thing, uh, and by all accounts. Michael Altman uh, is the founder of what is then known as the Church of Unitology. This is the fastest growing religious movement on Earth uh, or within the Earth colonies and systems ever. This just absolutely blows up in terms of being a religious practice. Uh, And the idea is is that they are all practicing the idea of convergence. 
if if you can imagine it, uh, they they all kind of do this hand sign to mimic the marker. Uh, if you cross your hands in front of you and point your uh, fingertips kind of close to each other, that's basically the the mimicking uh, symbol that they do uh, as their 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 praying stance, if you will. Uh, but they're they're all about the marker. They talk about the marker. They they talk about convergence, and they get really creepy into this idea of preserving dead bodies. The entire idea behind the Church of Unitology is that you are paying into the ranks. Basically, uh, you have the option that you can effectively become uh, more more prominent within the church. Uh, there's different vested ranks that exist. Uh, and there are also these um, mythical ranks that also exist within the church. Uh, a lot of times you will end up just giving up your entire family fortune in order to ensure that your body is preserved for when convergence ends up starting to to become a thing and a reality. Uh, and then anybody, of course, that doesn't have this happen, they just feel as a, a lost cause. That's all up to them. But the Church of Unitology becomes such a big presence on Earth, and it actually becomes almost like the number, I think it's number one or number two within lore uh, to effectively talk about uh, like companies and corporations. Uh, hmm. I believe it was number one or number two. But the, the reason for that being such a big deal is because of other corp uh, corporations and organizations that they showcase in the series. Uh, the first and, and most obvious is Earth's government. Earth's government is kind of acting almost on its own, but there are still a lot of people that exist within the Church of Unitology that also exist within it. The other that is extremely important to the plot of uh, Dead Space Extraction and Dead Space One is the ex uh, Concordance Extraction Corporation. And this company has a couple different uh, spacefaring ideas that exist within it, uh, but also end up presenting uh, the, the overall mainstay for what will become the almost overview of what Dead Space is all about. Uh, to sum it up in a different way, your, your uh, first game, you're actually on the USG Ishimura. But in Dead Space Extraction, which is actually a prequel to Dead Space 1, uh, which is an on-rail shooter, completely separate from the actual PlayStation game or Xbox 360 game, because they put it on the Wii, because that made a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> little kid, <laughs> little kid console, go. Uh, that's that's the one you should play, Green. Yeah, yeah, you, you'd be fine with it. You wouldn't have to do any exploration. The the aliens would come to you. You wouldn't have to worry at all. I would turn it into a boxing game. You know, I would just punch. The aliens would come to you. Fast. I would I just love that. So fast. Yeah. Well, and they were smart about it because with Dead Space Two, they actually packaged extraction for the Xbox, uh, for the PlayStation Three version at least. So you could actually play that with the PlayStation Move or with a uh, controller. So I gave him credit for doing that at the very least. But the the genius level that went behind putting a mature-rated title onto the Wii that was an on-rail shooter... I'm not going to make this about EA and bad practices. I'm not going to make this about <laughs> EA and bad practices. I won't do that. Uh, between that and your mom hates Dead Space, I don't know what they were thinking with marketing. Anyway... <laughs> Oh, I remembered that. 
ads. Oh my god, those 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 advertisements. I have no idea what they were thinking about. Just I don't. Anyway, Dead Space Extraction takes place on the colony that you are actually over top of with Dead Space 1. Uh this planet or the uh it is a planet. It's just basically a dead hunk in space. Uh, it has no real atmosphere or anything like that. It looks like it needed to be like completely, at least somewhat terraformed. You needed spacesuits to even survive outside, so on. Uh, it's called Aegis 7. And Aegis 7, by all reports of what the CEC, or again, Concordance Extraction Corporation, was able to figure out, has a vast amount of resources that can be taken back to Earth and its colonies. And that's basically what CEC's job is. They go out to these deep space mining uh, mining systems to basically rip apart planets, and they call it uh, planet cracking. The process behind this, uh, they actually have something within uh, Dead Space 1, a, a couple notes that actually outline this process, which I think is pretty interesting and pretty cool all the same, but they, they have a colony that is uh, born on the planet after some initial prospectors' reports. They basically go ahead and take a geological survey, which takes about three months or so. Uh, and then from there, they end up seeing if the planet is worth uh, bringing a colony in. Uh, after this point, it's about one to three years after the prospectors are on, uh, which in that case, you end up having the, uh, the colony build up enough uh, where they start to develop these things called gravity tethers. And they sound exactly like they pretty much are. Uh, after about two to five years, anywhere within that span of time, you'll have these, what they call planet cracker ships that will, sh uh, shock point in shock point is the warp drive, if you will, of dead space era, but it's a little, uh, closer to space folding from Dune. It's not the same idea as straight warp drive because you're able to cover such a larger span of space uh, in a in a much shorter span of time, uh, the the system actually becomes more important a little bit later in Dead Space Three, and they kind of explain a little bit more. But at least for the first one, that's about all we really hear about with it. Uh, small freighters, uh, small ships were actually equipped uh, equipped with shock point drives, but the USG Ishimura, the one that shock points in. Uh, over top of the, the Aegis 7 colony is important as it was the first one within civilian usage that had this shock point drive put on it. It was one of the most massive ships. Now just think of it this way though. This thing is broken down into multiple levels, multiple layers uh, as a mining uh, piece of equipment effectively. It, that's all it is there for. Uh, it has crew and living quarters, it has uh, administration, it has uh, crew systems, it has officers, it has med bay, it has the whole nine. But its main prerogative was to mine planets. So with these gravity tethers that are on the ground, the Ishimura also has gravity tethers that are equipped to it. Basically, these gravity tethers can link up and activate, and this actually pulls a huge chunk of the planet up into space, outside, just about outside of its atmosphere. This is actually where the deep space mining even begins. And again, this whole process takes anywhere from the span of about 
about three to five years is what they say. Uh, it depends oh, wow. on the size of the planet. And then from there, it also depends on how long it will take them to mine and smelt and get rid of that uh, that planet almost entirely. Because all that's basically left of it, you could have some moons that are around it, they lose orbit. They decay. They start floating out into the rest of the system. Uh, they also end up breaking these things down into small little meteorite chunks. So all you have left of this single planet that has been ripped apart by us, if there was any life that was on it, it's toast. It's gone. Uh, if there was any possibility of keeping that system, if Aegis 7 is in any way thrown out of whack, it is because of what we did to uh, that planet. And then that uh, the Aegis system in general is just toast. Uh, the They actually had other reports that were in Dead Space talking about the respective relationship of a planet and how ripping it out of its system could end up affecting the entire system. CEC goes on record saying, don't worry, it doesn't affect anything. And you already know it's complete bullcrap. What? And they've already the shown this. The government denying something? That never yeah, happens. Really, uh, a large corporation like number number one, uh, number two or number three within all of Dead Space, you know, overall saying that there's nothing wrong with it. No, they're totally telling the truth. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> like so far, I am totally with you. Like, okay, mm-hmm. mining. I haven't even gotten to the horror yeah. to the horror part. This yet. is like, why. I'm still, this is why I'm still with you. I'm still, I'm still with you. That's because that's because the Unity event hasn't happened yet. Yes, right. whatever like that is. Because I'm going to learn about virgins. that here in a second. <laughs> I'm going to learn about that here in a second. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say we we haven't gotten to that part part unfortunately with those uh, signals I kind of mentioned with the other marker. But does anybody have any questions so far before I get too far in? Because those are kind of the main players, corporation wise. There's a couple other small ones, but those are the major ones. You mentioned the marker a couple of times. Is mm-hmm. this some, like this is obviously something that shows up in all of the dead spaces or Absolutely. Okay. Is what is the primary significance? Is it just kind of a well, for lack of better terms, a marker to distinguish somebody for something or uh I guess I should have just kept talking because that was going to be the next big point. Uh, yeah, the marker is just that important amongst the uh, the entirety of the games. Uh, as I had mentioned with the uh, with Martyr, the black marker is the first one that was recovered. Uh, that one is actually pretty large in comparison to another one that is found then on Aegis Seven, and this is called the red marker. <laughs> the Red marker is of different significance, which we'll get to in a little bit, but effectively these signals that it sends out uh, cannot be traced It's uh, seemingly in any way. Uh, later on, it is kind of disclosed that the marker does run on some kind of brain waves. Uh, I believe it is anywhere from the beta to theta uh, brain waves uh, signals uh, strengths. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but I think that's right. But they're incredibly hard to detect. There's nothing with black band, shock band, shock point, nothing. 
Uh, they're the only thing that you can actually see these signals on is on brainwave patterns. Uh, what what these things do? It depends on the individual. These uh, the idea behind the marker is that it is able to either corrupt or change how the person acts. Uh, it can be anywhere from complete insanity to mild insanity with hallucinations uh, to absolute complete and total schizophrenia where you have no idea what's going on. Long story short, none of it is good. Absolutely none of it is good. So any of the positive effects that you could receive from the marker as a power device or in any way a power device are completely lost by the fact that the marker can corrupt and harm any individual that comes in close proximity to it. You start to actually see with uh, Dead Space 2, Dead Space 3, uh, and Dead Space uh, 1, and also with Martyr, that they try to take steps to avoid this, but it doesn't It doesn't go very well for them, because these signals are just that strong, and the marker itself actually is just that good, basically, about uh, permeating through any material we even have. Uh, Blue, I think you had something. Yeah, so like, I guess my question there is kind of the next logical step, and you might, you to be fair, you might have, you might be about to say this, but mm-hmm. the fact that it that affects individuals differently, to yeah. me, that begs the question: so are there individuals that it doesn't affect at all? Not that or, we know. Okay, so so the, like basically what I'm I'm trying to get at is like the protagonist in the Dead Space main titles mm-hmm. uh, is uh, Isaac. I want to say if I remember that that's correct. correct. So is he affected at all by the markers, or is he just like? <sighs> does that ever get explained? So he is, and he isn't. Okay. Uh, here is the here is the interesting piece about Isaac. Uh, and I and I think, for lack of a better way to put this, I have to throw the the major spoiler of Dead Space One out there. Like he has right an now. awesome helmet. Yes, he has a great helmet, and that is totally the reason that he goes nuts. <laughs> no. uh, wait, 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 wait! That, helmet, <laughs> that helmet reminds me a lot of SRL helmets. I was just about to say that is one yes. of the reasons I love the Hunter SRL helmets. Actually, mm-hmm. the well, the dawning hunter helmet is very similar as well. That's and why the I uh, the the Titan in the the live action where it like forms around his face. Yeah, I was like, you suckers completely stole that from Isaac. You there, jerks. The uh, the other thing that that reminded me was I think it was Lost in Space, the remake of yeah. Lost in Space. They had uh, the fighter. I can't remember the actor's name, but his his uh, space armor did the exact same thing. Right. So. Well, and it's become a very popular, if we want to talk about like some of the armor that uh, Isaac has used, that's become a very common trope now, in a mm-hmm. way. Uh, you, you start to see it with uh, Star-Lord's uh, helmet as well. Like mm-hmm. His face mask mm-hmm. does the same thing. And it uh, kind of makes sense. Destiny. Yeah, yeah, it kind of makes sense uh, as far as a mechanic. Mm-hmm. Me- go. But okay, yeah, so like Isaac... Isaac, it's not that Isaac's not affected, it's just that it may be just a little bit different of an effect. Well, and it's especially different for him because of the way that everything kind of pans out with the story of Dead Space 1. And like I said, why I need to kind of drop that major spoiler. 
I think we've wasted enough time here. So, kids, if you didn't want to hear the spoiler, you better close yours now. His girlfriend, Nicole Brennan, is dead. She went out on this mission on the USG Ishimura uh, as a medical officer, and it was to try to help her uh, overall career, obviously, like you do. Uh, CEC being such a large corporation, it was just a very big possibility for her to expand on what she was doing. Uh, but when all is said and done, she actually killed herself on the uh, Ishimura for the possible uh, implications of what it was that was happening to the rest of the crew. I will explain it in a moment. Uh, it is it is terrifying, horrific, etc. The largest thing, though, in terms of how uh, Nicole ends up, uh, or Isaac ends up finding out about this, throughout the game, he starts to see Nicole in certain spots when he needs her most. And it's still kind of lost in translation how he does some of the uh, maneuvers that he does. Uh, the biggest thing about, uh, I'll give an example. Actually, I think it's better to, to do that. One scene, Isaac is on one side of, of uh, trying to get to this uh, beacon that he needs to recover to send a distress signal from the Ishimura. On the other side, he sees the, albeit hallucination, of Nicole uh, over at the, uh, at the terminal to unlock the door so he can get in. The question effectively comes down to, did Isaac unlock that and walk through the door, or did somebody else do it for him? Because he is out of contact with the uh, other two members of the crew, being, uh, oh shoot, Isaac Hammond and uh, Kendra Daniels at that point. And the, the questions basically spurring off, well, how was Isaac able to do this and get through this door? Or was that also something that was just like a created uh, hallucination by the marker? Uh, it, it's unsure. You don't really see the effects of uh, Isaac's schizophrenia uh, and, and Isaac's, uh, Isaac's seeming hallucinations of Nicole until the second game. The second game are where you start to see more and more of these these crazy things that happen with Nicole, and you start to kind of figure out why. Because in the first game, Isaac didn't feel any guilt. His his first objective, his first idea was to get in there, save Nicole, and then get off the planet and take her with him. Uh or take her with yeah, take her with him off of the planet and then get out of there. That's end goal. Day one, done. What ends up happening is he figures out that, and and it's in the, the mes message that he was sent the entire time, uh, she's been dead from moment one of Dead Space happening. Earth's government had actually altered the message that he had received, and Kendra Daniels had actually given him the full-blown message. And this is where the ideas of guilt start to permeate into Isaac's head. This is, this is, I'm focusing so much on the aspects of guilt because that's basically what it is. It depends mm -hmm. on your mental faculties. It depends on oh, how okay. it is that you can take a situation. So where Isaac was not guilty originally, not knowing that Nicole wasn't already dead in the second game, and even at the end of the first game, it already kind of permeates this idea that, well, now she's dead. 
what can I do? I should have never done this to her because I was the one that pushed her to go on the Ishimura. I was the one that killed her. That's his thought process, mostly throughout the entire second game. Okay. Uh, and you start to even kind of see that with, like I said, the end of the first, because you get a a very, very nicely placed jump scare at the very end, which I absolutely Yay! Dead Space oh, is I really, love that jump scare. Yeah, Dead Space is really good at jump scares, especially very if you're good. wearing headphones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So that's that's actually that actually makes me more interested in the in the aspects of the markers too because yeah. it sounds like it's actually it's actually kind of augmenting the way that people experience the world. Yes, that's pretty cool. Okay, uh, another another fair example I think is uh, in in the second game you climb out of a vent and all of a sudden Isaac's helmet folds down back into the suit. And it, there's this image of Nicole wanting to ram a syringe like into his face. Oh, and that's fun. After all is said and done, though, you come to find out that it was actually Isaac holding the syringe near like forcing it into his face. Yeah, like struggling with it. Oh, that's struggling almost with himself in its entirety, which is amazing. Uh, you you start to realize that a lot of the stuff that's actually going on is not necessarily because of Nicole. It's because of what Isaac is doing to himself or what the marker is doing to himself. It's which, a very fight club. A very, very fight club in a way. Uh, but it, it, it takes this different turn, especially with the second game, uh, because you, you find out more about like what the, the markers effectively uh, are are kind of all about, or at least in the second game, especially what they are all about. Hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything like major that needs to... Oh, God, yeah, hang on. Whoa. Jeepers Christmas, how did I not almost say this one? So the red marker. The mm-hmm. whole idea behind the red marker is that it was actually lost as an experiment. The experiment was actually done in place of the black marker that was found again on Earth in Chicxulub. Uh Long story short, this red marker was deemed as too dangerous, so Earth's government had actually moved this thing to Aegis 7. They had lost contact with the initial group that was working with it, and they decided that it was probably best just to say forget it and not touch it again. The original black marker is still on Earth. This red marker was apparently more dangerous and could also uh, pose more possibilities of more energy output as well. That's why it was so important for Earth's government to actually relocate the thing. So when all is said and done, the red marker was actually a man-made entity. It was not something that... uh, that was just like an an alien creation, which is actually what happens with the black marker. Uh, and just to to reiterate, CEC is not Earth's government. Uh, Earth's gov is a completely separate entity. Uh, CEC, however, does seem to have some extra, uh, like realistically, CEC, Unito- uh, the Church of Unitology, and Earth's gov all kind of ravel together into this like one big conglomerate in a way, but it's mostly due to association than it is anything else. 
you also start to figure out that the Church of Unitology realistically has more control over most of what Earth and its colonies do than any other organization in Earth's colonies. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going to lie. What I just imagined as you were explaining is actually similar to what the markers look like between those three. Yeah. Like a swirling pillar of things. So like the CEC is – that's so you have the church and then you have the CEC, which is the corporation, and then the government, which mm-hmm. is obviously the government – those yeah. those are those are separate, but they're also kind of intertwined with one another. Is is what you're saying? Um, if and you I, check I the money, completely flow, lost yeah. my. I completely lost what I was going to ask by saying that. So yes, okay, good. I just repeated you, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> I had well, a question and it went away. So it, I'm going to go chase it down and try to find it again. Does it does it possibly have anything to do with the fact that the markers look like a double helix? Yeah, well, uh, well, yeah, it was it was yes, actually. Um so the black marker is, I guess going back to the concept that the red marker is almost a man-made variation of the markers mm-hmm. is is the black marker the only so do we only have a black and red in the games or within, are there other are there other shades within Dead Space 1 and Dead Space... uh, Within Dead Space 1, it is knowingly the black and red. Mm. Within Dead Space 2, which actually... And I'll... This is why I really wanted to replay the other two games, and I didn't have a chance to over the last month, because December, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, Holidays, what? (laughs) Yeah, really. It doesn't eat up any time. I don't know what you're talking about. Um... I believe that is actually over a five-year period, though, if I recall right. Uh, I Again, the time is probably going to slip my mind. But over a, a series or course of time, uh, you actually find out that there is another marker that is present on the, uh, the Jupiter station called the Sprawl. Uh, the Sprawl is a, a full colonist settlement around Jupiter. Uh, and it is basically there just for the sake of showing how colonists kind of lived. Uh, the only problem is is that you get an outbreak that was similar to what happened with the USG Ishimura and the Aegis 7 uh, colony, which, again, I didn't even get a real big chance to talk about. Uh, but the, the ideas behind this marker, though, this big marker that you find on the sprawl, since we'll stay on the topic... Uh, it is, again, a man-made marker, but this okay. marker also happens to be about 30 or 40 or even 50 times the size of what the original uh, red marker was, and at least uh, 50 to 100 times the size of what the, anywhere within that realm, of what the original black marker was. This thing is, like, skyscraper huge. And Never. that is the entire point of the sprawl to house this thing. You know, it's 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 really really sad that no one apparently ever watched Jurassic Park because <laughs> Jesus, what I'm hearing is yeah we can build that yeah you you can but should you <laughs> like yep this thing's really bad let's build a bigger one right like, oh okay um so really the only the only l- literal alien structure is the black marker everything else that yeah yeah the original everything else that is causing all this problem and chaos is ultimately 
humanity doing it to itself? Sort of. Okay. It's actually the black marker doing it for humanity itself. Because oh, okay. the yeah, subset okay. of this signal that actually is out there, and this is why it takes a particular brain to pick up on this, certain brain patterns and certain brain types... This is why I'm types, not picking up on it. Yeah. <laughs> certain, certain, <laughs> yes, yes, I just oh, insulted you. myself. <laughs> it's okay. I will inform you that is what I am here for. Um <laughs> But no, the uh, particular brain uh, types are able to pick up on this signal and actually interpret what the symbols are on the marker itself. Uh, okay. If you, I, I think that the the comic, uh, the the other prequel comic that existed uh, for Dead Space One, did it best. Where and Green, you might be interested in this. I don't know because it's very sciency. Uh, the idea behind the marker is that it's able to actually create recombinant DNA. Uh, that is actually why that you'll have the marker look like a double helix symbol. And you'll also see that these symbols themselves are a mathematic code. This hmm. mathematic code then presents itself to this DNA or this, uh, this organism that is able then to uh, replicate as well as also, like, exponentially grow dead tissue. This is actually how you end up getting things like the necromorphs. This is okay. uh, how you end up getting things that uh, that basically try to kill you and murder your guts. And nom, uh, nom, that nom, is, nom, 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 No, there's I no was eating. totally on board until we got to the nom, nom, nom part. necromorphs. To the, the, to necrom the nom, nom, nom portion. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that part. I was just like, ooh. And she's gone again. <laughs> even yeah, even really. the reanimation of the dead dead flesh. I'm like, okay, I'm okay with this. I can follow this. Yeah, that. It's just like somebody showed me a picture of the necromorphs, and I'm like, and mm -hmm. I'm going to cursory glance that and run away. <laughs> the idea actually behind uh what is kind of going on with uh, with the necromorphs, though. Long story short, there's this uh, organism that actually does kind of reside within the marker. And per that point, then it is able to kind of go outward, but it can't replicate on its own without having some kind of uh, tissue to build off of. When it gets a hold of any kind of dead tissue, however, it's able to effectively then branch out and just start to build and build and build. Uh, one of the biggest things that you actually see throughout the game, there's this uh, gunk that gets all over vents and all over uh, certain uh, certain tiers or certain levels of like the Ishimura or in the colony itself. And you start to kind of think about what it might be. What is dust? Oh, God. Dust. Doctor Who. Thank you. Y yeah. Yeah, ba basically. Uh, but dust is effectively like dead, some dead tissue uh, and, a, and a bunch of other things and microbes that get lodged out there. But dust is almost the perfect building block mm -hmm. for allowing this uh, microbial, uh, um, this microbe, this uh, life form to effectively start to build itself out. And it can then go ahead and create these first stage 
necromorphs. We may as well talk about this at this point. There's a bunch of different tiers that are built between the necromorphs. The first is a small winged creature that is able to actually walk around basically on its wings, fly, flap at you, etc. Um, the biggest thing, though, is that it's able to either kind of slowly will you down or wait for an actual dead corpse to produce itself, whatever. And then it's able to actually basically stick a proboscis into your head. That's actually what starts to turn a dead body into a necromorph. So it's then, like it's like a head crab. Pretty similar. With wings, uh, in a, which actually makes them more terrifying. Yes. Blue. What? Are you, are you, I mean, I know you're describing, like you're helping him describe it. <laughs> no, like, okay, you- okay. No, it's, it's, uh, it's half-life head crabs. They, they're literally right. little, they're little crabs that run around and jump on your head. And then I, take over. It's like a face hugger, well, but I, not, no chest you. popping. Yes, it, it may as well be, but yes. Okay. Head crabs are hilarious. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with all of you. Uh, Alex's Alex's but. Alex's pet head crab was the best little <laughs> pet thing ever. <laughs> Simply because it kept trying to eat things and it couldn't. Yes. But sorry, but sorry. The, go go nope. back to dead space. Fall totally through confirmed. Fine. You're 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 on the right track with that one though. With the uh, especially with the the face hugger idea, uh, they're able to just like jump up, latch on. <laughs> But it is a different process because the body does need to be dead. That's the that's mm, the first kind of okay. idea. The what, secondary. D- what's that? Just real quick. Why? Why? So why is that? Why does it have to be dead? Is that something to do with the brainwaves? That's the idea of recombinant okay. DNA. Okay. Uh, the entire idea, like the almost the base definition for recombinance, does require that you have a a piece of dead flesh. Okay. Uh, to okay. reanimate it. But even per that point, it also is a a more of a we come to find out a hive mind. It is right because then you don't have a will of its own. Yeah, because then you don't have a combative combative consciousness against the hive mind. Right. So at that point, the it's a it's a converging idea. Yeah. To basically allow for well, we need to just build this species. And effectively, we'll we'll get to what it basically culminates with the other necromorphs. But there's a reason that we we have things that produce the way that they do. So the next stage of necromorph, there's arguably a couple different levels. The first and most common uh, necromorph that exists is the one that you're kind of used to kind of seeing shambling around with like two blades hanging off the side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the arguably the tallest of most of them. Uh, there are a couple of different mo- uh, types of those. Uh, male and female actually will develop in two different ways. The female versions can actually spew almost like egg sacs, for lack of a better way to put it, uh, at their target to also whittle them down or to cause some heavy harm. That's a nope. Uh, nope, nope. That's nope. a big nope. Uh, the the main idea, though, with what they are there for is to use the blades to just slash at you and just cause all kind of like complete physical bodily harm to you uh ripping you apart is not above them basically as where we're going with this they do not chomp down on you they do not eat your brains they do not do anything like that well 
till after you're dead, in which case you'll have somebody that'll come over and stick something in your brain and turn you into something else. But that's beside the point. The second type is a little less common to see, uh, but it's one that actually will have its legs like twist into a blade, like a really long blade, and it'll actually walk on its hands. Uh, this thing also has the ability that it can climb around on walls and it can jump at you. Uh, it causes all kind of havoc just with like vents and stuff like that. Uh, that's another big one. The derivative of why would you do this to me while I'm talking? <laughs> Sorry, you just you just posted it's a, head, a plushy it's head a, crab. It's a head crab, and I'm beanie. like looking at this thing, going, "Are you really? Are you really?" <laughs> <sighs> derail i hey it's not often that totally i totally derail the derail the topic <laughs> continue please good sir okay <laughs> uh to the first one though there is a derivative of this one and this is quite possibly the most terrifying of them a regenerative version the regenerative version if you one of the one of the best ways it seems like to take these things out is to basically chop off their limbs but this one has the ability that that doesn't affect it. No matter how much you end up pumping into the thing, uh, you still have the capability that it's going to regenerate it li- its limbs and start coming back at you. So you are, you're done if you see one of these things. Uh, Isaac is successful in taking it out a couple different types, uh, t- type of ways. The first, he actually puts it into cryostasis, but the way that he actually completely obliterates it is by taking out uh, everything to the absolute nth molecule by blasting a, by test firing a shuttle's engine right in its face. That's a lot of fun. Uh, But those are the only couple ways that it seems like Isaac has been able to successfully take these things out uh, without having too many problems. We come to find out that those regenerative types are also based on man-made research more than they are. Of course are they are. By, of course they are. Uh, more than they actually are by what the marker does. This is what the marker <laughs> is is all about because the marker itself is kind of feeding these ideas into your head to not only make more markers, but to also figure out more of how it can be effective and efficient within your species. Because if there is something or anybody that is capable of figuring out a way to counter the marker, you may actually be working to help it. That is how insidious this thing is about itself. Where the promise of energy ends up making you want to make it, it's going, oh no, you're going to die from me, and I don't care. So it actually does explain why humanity is like kind of sprinting towards its own demise. Yes. Because the, okay, okay, I'm on it. Yeah, that's why I... that's why I kind of wanted to wait for that point until we got to the the regenerator because it all kind of, especially that moment when you start to realize that that is a, a man-made amalgamation, that's where you start to realize that, wow, humanity is just completely screwed no matter how you, no matter which way you put this. Like, there's no way around it. Hmm. Jurassic Park is so, still right. Yes, Jurassic Park is still right. <laughs> Uh, those are the few major ones. Uh, there are a couple other derivative types that exist. 
Uh, there are actually little small ones that walk around that almost look like face huggers. Uh, they will actually attach themselves to you and basically start chewing at your flesh and slowly killing you off. Uh, there are others that are legitimate limbs that will like sprout nervous systems and start to walk around. Uh, one of my favorites is if the head actually kills you, it'll actually pull Isaac's head off and ingrain itself into its into his spine and become Isaac. That's a really good one. Um, Sleep tight, Green. Yeah, really. That's a that's a really good one. Um, what what else is there? The oh babies! I almost forgot about the babies. Uh, they actually form <laughs> and turn into uh, th- their backs. Like they they crawl around, they like jump around on walls and everything. Their backs will open up, and they'll have like firing tentacles. Ridiculous! Uh, this sounds a others... lot like Dante's Inferno. Yeah, doesn't it? Like it seriously does sound like the nine layers of hell. Hey, go figure. The Visceral Games also did a Dante's Inferno. Yeah, I know. That's huh. oh, what okay. So that was that was the same. That was it. The same same uh, company. Okay. Because that game Same is amazing. If you yes, haven't played it, is. it, if you haven't played it, you really such, need to go play it. Such a shame that they never had a chance to make a second one of that. I know, absolutely amazing. If they actually had something that they could work with in Purgatorio, that would have been amazing. Oh, yes. Well, they had some. Yeah. Well, yeah. It just depends on how they twist. Anyways, anyways. Yeah, because I can and, go on and on about that one. I was going to say we'll be we'll be here all night talking mm-hmm. about what Visceral had the opportunity to do, but EA shut him down. What? Mm-hmm. So, Beard's not bitter about this at all. He has a YouTube all. video like, on it. Not not at all. It's not like they shut down one of my favorite freaking companies of all time. Not at all. Um. So the I, I think that about covers all the types of necromorphs. That about covers the markers. Uh. It basically leads us to some of the major characters, mm-hmm. realistically. Uh, and this is actually where things get to be a little bit more like background story and so on. Uh, and I think Isaac's Isaac's background is the major one that is worth talking about, because his story basically culminates to this top end point that showcases how or why the marker was so interested in a brain like his. Not necessarily to say just Isaac, but at least somebody like him. He was smart enough to pick up on the fact that the marker was using him to create the marker and any uh, preceding marker that would exist uh, for Earth's government or otherwise, but he was detained against his will. That's basically the entire idea of Dead Space 2. He also has the capability that he can decipher all of the symbols that are actually on the marker and what he sees that is kind of around Dead Space 1, showing up on monitors or anything else. His is one of the few that is able to actually transcode, like on the spot, what these symbols mean. And again, it kind of comes down to where he started or what his uh, initial idea oh his initial history is uh he was actually born to a uh father that was in a kind of similar to like a, a merchant marines if you will mm-hmm. uh but they were also a part of uh CC uh long story short he ended up uh losing his father on a mission but his mission was completely classified 
there's no actual known realm of what happened to his dad or anything else available at all. We never figure it out. Uh, the problem with this is that we don't know if Isaac's dad was in any way involved with the uh, initial or secondary or tertiary or anything marker attempts, which, if he was, would have actually added another layer onto this. But, complete speculation aside, uh, Isaac's dad was also an engineer, and Isaac kind of followed suit with his father. His mother, on the other hand, had a lot of problems getting over the loss of her husband, uh, and she basically ended up going through a very heavy uh, manic and, and just complete depressive stage. Uh, this ended up leading to her finding uh, the Church of Unitology, uh, and, not, and not founding, not like being a founding member, but she was just so involved with it uh, that she started to donate the family's uh, major funds and fortune, pretty much any of the land masses that they had accrued, anything. She pretty well donated it all to the church. This made it hard for Isaac to actually uh, grow up and also to go to the engineering schools that he wanted to, but he still found means to do it on his own. He effectively raised himself after his father was good and gone. But what's interesting, of course, by this factor, Isaac was not exactly trusting of the Church of Unitology to begin with because of what they had done uh, to his mother, how they had possibly manipulated her brain, which, when all is said and done, turns out that the marker was realistically the one to blame for that. This is just that extra layer on top of how the marker hadn't affected Isaac until he came in close proximity with the red one, which humans had made. And that's the stupid portion of it, if you will. Uh, the, the marker has been such an important part of Isaac's life since day one, and he never even realized it. So, with his mother basically giving up the entire family fortune to uh, Church of Unitology, he goes off and does his own thing. He joins up with CEC. Uh, he ends up uh, moving in with Nicole Brennan. A bunch of other stuff ends up happening from there. And then USGS Shimura incident happens. But it's just interesting that his entire background is basically based off of the Church of Unitology uh, and how he could, he's been affected by the marker since absolute day one. And it continues to be like that for the remainder of his life. Uh, Isaac actually, within the first Dead Space game, if memory serves, is about 49 years old. He's not a young guy. They make him look like he's young, but he's not a young guy. Uh, from the uh, all intents of like where he is in Dead Space 3, I think he's 54. Oh, wow. So again, he's, he's not a, a young 30-year-old, 20-year-old dude that you're used to playing in a video game. He's actually a little bit more progressed in years. Uh, which kind of says something, considering he's also absolutely psychosomatic. But that's a really cool deviation from the norm, too. Actually, it is. It is. And I needed a drink break there because I was talking way too long. Uh, <laughs> I know how that feels. Yeah. The that's what I kind of liked about uh, Isaac as a character, and I I didn't exactly pick up on it, unfortunately, until like way later on. When I started finding out that, oh, he was born here and we're taking place here. Oh, God. He's actually like very middle aged. 
like that's that's kind of cool that they did that so does uh does when traveling is it anything like the halo series or well pretty much any science fiction out there with the cryo and that no. can explain or is it okay so it, it is actually like he is actually that old mm-hmm. yeah the cool. uh the the idea behind shock point again it's not like uh it's not like warp drive it's not like hyperspace it definitely seems like it's a little closer uh to the the theoretical ideas of space folding as is seen in dune and what okay. we basically okay, have yeah. today uh so at that point it gives the option that you're moving through space time quite a bit faster uh that's what's helpful that they definitely don't need to go in cryospace but yeah okay yeah good stuff <sighs> yes now i'm trying to think of where that leads us to uh any questions so far no uh not not for me green do you have anything she just wants to kill me right now. <laughs> no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. It's just a lot of information, and because there's no pictures that I have to see at this point, besides a plushy alien on top of a Italian <laughs> lookalike, <laughs> because that's what it looks <laughs> like. Oh my god. Uh, I'm okay so far. It's interesting. The the amount of the Jurassic Park problem that you're creating something, how much that kind of seems to run throughout the game, it seems. Mm. Multiple times you see, like, hey, this is a bad idea. Let's do it anyway because we're humanity and we're dumb. That's kind of... Yeah, but it it almost also is kind of explained by the marker and its, like, perversion of that. Like, I think that's, that's an ingenious... Sorry, to just kind of say that real quick. I think that's an ingenious um, like workaround explanation for that mm-hmm. really classic problem. Cause like, you know, you see, you see that a it, lot in a lot of science fiction, a lot of action and all this stuff and like all this stupid stuff that humanity's like, Oh, we're going to do it. Like exactly what you just said, green. Oh, that sounds like a bad idea. Let's do it anyways. And it's like, and it, it's, no one ever really addresses it, but it sounds like they do here. And that's really cool to me. It's not like the, the, the alien or the, dinosaur dna in jurassic park right literally going create me create yeah, me yeah you're, you're just well you're, i don't know i mean mr mr that. genome did have a pretty good little <laughs> jingle and uh, that's that's fair <laughs> <laughs> after after all clever girl <laughs> but yeah anyway. no I, I i like i like that actually that the marker yeah. is kind of the the explanation as to <laughs> It's not just pure human human stupidity. I'm mm. I'm I'm a fan of that approach. Right. Yeah, it's the the marker is effectively the problem and the solution all in the same thing. And that's what I think is kind of interesting with how they've uh they've tailored and made it because the necromorphs are a a hurdle that you need to get over, but when all is said and done, the actual one that you have to a thing you have to worry about is the marker. The marker is your actual main enemy. And even though its entire goal is to create more and more dead flesh and just make it so that convergence can happen, uh, that's where, you know, everything goes absolutely awry. And I think that's that's probably where I should take it next is convergence. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, so explain even, to us why this is worse than the darkness. Oh, my goodness. So... 
Convergence is the idea that there is no uh, good or evil. There is effectively only one thing that is left, and there is a single uh, a single mind, if you will, or a a full uh, hive idea that exists. There is no free thought. There is no possibility of being ruled by either a dark or light side. Uh, there is nothing. It is a single hive existence that blocks out any possibility of moving past one singular idea. Uh, and that, I think, to me, especially as like a free thinker as I kind of am, uh, is always a terrifying idea to be mm. presented in sci-fi or otherwise, uh, just for the simple idea that I want to be able to to act as I will, as I as I want to. And I think it interesting because the when, when Dead Space was a big thing for me, I also was a big fan of stuff like um, Silent Hill and. Mm. As as a slight deviation on this path, if something as an idea of convergence was presented in the ideas of Silent Hill, I would completely nope right out of there because <laughs> I wouldn't have the ability to really protect or or fight back against it. That's mm. the thing about uh, Dead Space is that it gives you this option that you can actually uh, fight against what it is that's going on. Uh, by understanding it through science or other measures or bringing other people in, uh, by by having Isaac be smart enough and intelligent enough to actually decode what these symbols mean. All these things basically just culminate to this idea that you're fighting against the marker to stop convergence. We see this happen uh, in two measures. The first measure is at the end of Dead Space 2. Dead Space 2, you literally stop the large marker on the sprawl uh, from going through convergence. You are the final piece that needs to be there. Isaac is the final piece that needs to be there as this focusing point. See, this is the the weird thing about how the marker works out just the same, because you need to have one of these marker creators, one of these focal marker creators present by the marker, along with all these necromorphs, to bash against these things, and then convergence can actually focus through the tip points on the marker. What this creates is a moon. So what you legitimately get is a large being that exists hovering above a planet, and anytime you see a moon that's left over, that is because of convergence. That's Dead Space's idea. So, this goes back to a really cool point with CEC. Think back on the fact that there's the markers that exist on different planets. Right. Because the first marker uh, that we end up seeing on, on Earth, this is why I say that we're, we're lucky. Because where it landed, it didn't have, uh, where it landed on the planet, it didn't have a major effect on the population. Mm -hmm. And versus what you would have with possibly other species out in the galaxy, universe, whatever it is that Dead Space is able to, to kind of shape or, or modify, uh, within at least what Dead Space is presented, we have never found another piece of alien life. Then we end up seeing the markers. Because then they we all end died. up going to Yes. Because each and every possible planet that we 
may have visited had a marker that existed, and what you see of their leftover civilization is a moon. Well, that's and one solution to Fermi's paradox. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I that actually wasn't. I'm like that actually was kind of serious too. Like, I mean, but that is that is that's a that that mm-hmm. is one. Fermi did not expect I, that one. No, no, I'm going to say I don't think he saw that one coming a mile away. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I don't. I'm, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a green on you on that one. That that's uh. uh now I uh, I liked how they kind of explained that because per that point now you you kind of understand why humanity is one of the last or it seems like last civilizations that exist throughout whatever the universe of dead space is, mm-hmm. uh, and we also kind of start to to pick out these little bits and pieces uh, that kind of suggest that every time we did a planet crack we were legitimately ripping apart these civilizations what was basically left of them uh, so. In Aegis Seven, for instance, there is a Nexus mine that can actually like crawl out from the inside of the planet, and these are the hive mines in a way. They're extremely large worms. You may as well think of what you're thinking of with books of no. sorrow. You may as well go there. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. You are may they, as well go are they, there. Are they are they virtuous by any chance? Uh, well, if virtuous is, they're going to chomp down on your little bits. Uh, sure. Absolutely. Oh, I'm just glad they're... that you saw my brain going to that connection. Oh. It's like, oh, don't worry. I mean, Every granted, I tell... granted, it's not it's it's not unique to destiny. I mean, we were talking. What were we talking about? Uh, right. The ah, the tree. You could you could string whatever up ah, a lot of a lot of consonants. Oh, you yes. could strill. You could uh, strill. Uh, the one from the, Norse mythology. Yeah. Oh, Ig, yeah, Yggdrasil, as as I always call it. Yeah. Um, However you which, want to pronounce it. The roots are a, a nest of vipers. Like I mean, right? Having having worms and all that is not a by any means a unique thing. No. no. Though it is and that's funny. The, it, it is kind of funny how you how you can like immediately draw that parallel. All I'm gonna say is I'm gonna take a shot for being inside a blues head for a second. <laughs> that's that's an awkward I'm, place to be. I'm sorry, I I didn't mean to scare you. <laughs> no, it's all it's all right. I'm uh, I'll feel better here in about ten minutes. So yeah. <laughs> wow, he must have gone straight from the bottle, guys. Um. <laughs> Well, I had two of them lined up, and I took both of them at the same time. I'm going to say. <laughs> anyway, the uh, there there's even a secondary uh, story that kind of builds off of uh, what Dead Space is all about. Uh, and I really... I, I'm loath to get into it right now, so I think I'll skip it and I'll come back to it. Uh, the the main story point, though, where we haven't even talked about Dead Space 3, like, at all yet, uh, partially because it is the weakest in the series. It is the absolute weakest in the series. Uh, it tries to explain a bunch of stuff. It fails miserably. Uh, the opening of Dead Space 3 actually showcases the uh, alternate of Earth's government uh, before EarthGov was EarthGov. 
uh, trying to figure out what the marker symbol was all about. And it ends in this horrific idea that they have to basically uh, all base long story short, kill themselves. There is no other way to put it. They all have to kill themselves. Uh, and this all comes down to the idea that they have ab that they have 100% lost containment on what the marker uh, is initially all about. Uh, you, you actually get to this planet and uh, Tal Valantis, there it is. It took me a, another second. Uh, Tal Valantis is actually, or at least presumably, the place of the initial marker. You also find that the entire planet is littered with them. So this seems like the civilization that was actually sending them out to the rest of the uh, planets within the systems. Uh, this effectively is the, the homeworld of these things. So now you have this fleet that is circling Tau Valantis. Uh, you have the centers that are on Tau Valantis that are uh, trying to explore what it is that goes into the markers or were doing that. Uh, but long story short, the entire expedition was a loss. Our entire point in Dead Space 3 for going there is to track down the home of the marker signal. And our whole thought or whole hope is to stop it. And that's, of course, where you end up figuring out that in the typical trope that we have kind of built today, you can't stop the signal. <laughs> very, very and, well done. Yes. And this is where everything, uh, honestly, I can sum up as long as Dead Space 3 is, because it is the longest in the franchise. Uh, it is also the one that I think is the shallowest. It still has its moments. I, th I still think that if you can enjoy one and two, it is very worth you playing three. But mm -hmm. it, it is definitely the shallowest in the series only because it doesn't add a ton on. You get all these extra characters that in the end you may as well just throw in a dumpster because they're useless. Uh, you get all of these extra like ideas that are presented from them. And it still comes down to... Uh, the the main three that you end up getting it, which is Ellie, the the same lady that you have in Dead Space Two, uh, Isaac, and the newer uh, secondary protagonist in the game, Carver. And Carver is about as thick as a paper bag. Uh, he's worthless, like almost entirely. <laughs> and the only reason that it's worth seeing anything about Carver is actually doing any of the co-op stuff. Now. I, I feel like I'm turning this into a slight review and I really shouldn't be doing this, but the cool thing with what they do with Carver on the cooperative side in Dead Space 3, if you have uh, one person playing Isaac, I generally will say have that person be somebody that's like a, a Dead Space uh, aficionado, somebody that knows almost exactly what it is that the marker and the signal and everything does uh, to a person have the person that you uh, are having play Carver, if they're, they're like, just getting into it. I, I love doing this to, like, a couple of my friends. I was like, here, you're, you're player two. They're like, well, I don't like being player two. I'm like, be player two. You're going to enjoy it. Because what they <laughs> You're going to enjoy You're going to enjoy it. <laughs> you're going to enjoy it. And if you don't, we're going to have questions with each other. Anyway, the... Uh, <laughs> The the biggest thing that they did, though, is it was a different experience, uh, depending on if you're inside of the uh, cooperative mission or uh, version of the game or not. 
the the coolest thing that they did one of the 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 biggest elements with Carver is that he had actually just and and reoccurring themes here Carver lost his child uh and he also lost his wife this happened on another planet where another man-made marker was also involved and EarthGov was again also involved go figure it's this idea and these principles of loss that uh, continue to kind of show up. You had it with Isaac losing uh, Nicole. You have it with now Carver seeing the same kind of uh, manipulative thought processes kind of come out from him. But he's experiencing them at a later time where he is now at the quote unquote home of the marker. And Isaac isn't feeling it because he's used to it. He has come to terms with what he needed to in Dead Space 1, gotten over the fact that Ellie was the, uh, the that Nicole uh, had, had quote-unquote, forgiven him for everything. He had let her go, and that was it. Carver, on the other hand, hasn't gotten to that point, so he's still feeling remorseful. He also has the ability that he can start to kind of interpret what it is that's going on with the marker signals. Again, all of this culminates to Isaac being used to seeing what it is that's going on. But Carver, for instance, would walk into a room and all of a sudden it looks like for Carver, he's holding uh, like a toy soldier doll. Where Isaac looks over at him and goes, hey, Carver, you okay? You look at the Isaac screen and Carver isn't holding a thing. Hmm. It's this hallucination idea, it's this manipulation of the signal, so on. Carver has to come to terms with it just as much as what Isaac has to come to terms with it. And that is where I think the the interesting parts of playing three come from. It's this, uh, everybody puts down the cooperative element. No, that was probably the strongest point of it from a story standpoint. It was worth seeing how Carver broke down. But... I just wish that Carver was a stronger character. That's what killed it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, but that's a that's still a really cool me- uh, mechanism within the game development yeah. too. You don't see it often. Like the the only other one that I can think of that kind of does something similar is uh, Resident Evil Zero with uh, Rebecca and Billy. Right, they they yeah. actually had a very good split storyline that was going there. But that's one of the only other games that I can think of that does this uh, split narrative fairly well and even then that wasn't cooperative so seeing it at the same time and having your buddy go dude i don't see you holding a thing what are you talking about <laughs> it, it, it's just this it's this extra cute little element especially if they don't know in. it like especially oh. if the person play doesn't know it <laughs> yes i'm gonna say that's the that's the even better part about it it's like hey uh what are you looking at your hands for well i'm looking at the toy soldier don't you see it no <laughs> What you talking now about? Now the player, yeah. Now, now the player has to question what it is that they're doing, and it kind of delves into this. Div- That's why I thought the Dead Space Three was the perfect one for for people to kind of jump into because it did cover a lot of the older lore uh, and older story just as much as it did uh, end up uh, adding in some more extra intricate ideas, which I liked. That was the one thing about Three that was really good. Three doesn't get good until the DLC, though. And unfortunately, that is where three uh, kind of brings a complete halt to the series, mm-hmm. which is a huge shame because we will never actually figure out what is going on with Earth 
or anything else, minus the fact that you probably figure out that it's completely screwed, that there's no way to recover any of it. Uh, so I had mentioned about those moons before. You mm -hmm. literally do battle with a moon at the end of De Dead Space 3. That is your boss fight. So you're utilizing these uh, these pads that actually increase your kinesis modules that you're able to like pick up rock and throw them back. That's what you're doing to these moons. And you're picking up these huge chunks of rock and chucking them back at the moon to break it apart. Now keep in mind, the moon is a full organism. It's organic. You're hurting it. And you kill it by the end of the whole thing. With the ending of Dead Space 3's uh, Awakening DLC, you arrive back on Earth, and long story short, Earth is surrounded by nothing but these moons. <laughs> because... I don't have enough those, power. Yeah. Because those moons were tracing back the signal. And we very well may be the last signal that exists with the marker uh, within the entirety of the galaxy. So that's where everything kind of just ends. And we don't have a clue what happens after that. Yeah, because I guess that's the that's the question is like what <clears throat> what is the intent of this the whatever once everything has been destroyed, right? The idea is either convergence just as a whole to to bring these moons about. And then from there, maybe they end up going into another layer of convergence where these moons form to a supermoon or something else. Uh, yeah. there, we don't know the, the next step that would be presented in this regard. Uh, that is where we, we only know of the first step, basically, of convergence, which is all of, the, all of humanity basically turns into a necromorph, goes to a marker. The head of the said marker is able to converge everyone that is in that area and boom that's how you end up getting these moons and that's how convergence happens uh but the next step then of why there are now all these other moons are they able to communicate with each other is that another hive mind we don't necessarily know the next step from there it's not explained and i think that's about as far as we're ever going to hear about it unfortunately uh, but i want to know what happens to the final shape I mean, the convergence. Yeah. You're really. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll actually. So as much as we've already covered the entirety of the main series game uh, games, there are the other titles that existed uh, within Dead Space's uh, franchise. I kind of touched based on Extraction a little bit. Uh, there is also Severed, which is a DLC for uh, D uh, Dead Space 2. There's also a mobile uh, Dead Space game, which is actually in tandem with Dead Space 2. Uh, and there is also Dead Space Ignition, which is a terrible, terrible <laughs> version How do you of really a puzzle-based game. Oh, no, it's, it's god-awful. There's no other way around it. Please, Oryx, take this thing and throw it into the dumpster because we never need to see this thing again. <laughs> The entire thing leads up to the moment where the main character of Ignition, and I don't know his name and I don't care to know his name anymore, unlocks Isaac from the medical stasis that he is in on the sprawl 
just to get him out of there because the Necromorphs are now starting to take over because of the marker that Isaac put together. (laughs) There is no purpose to ignition except for, I'm going to unlock the button now. I'm going to unlock the button. There's like no other story point behind anything. Like there's no point to it. Uh, and they sold this thing as like a five dollar game, and I was like, "This was not worth five dollars." Thank God it wasn't like ten or fifteen or something, but it was not worth five dollars. It was it was thankfully like a pre order bonus that you could get, so I'm I'm thankful they did that. But my God, I just I don't know what they were thinking with it. I don't. The mobile version, uh, the the tie in mobile version is actually pretty good. Uh, there, I, I don't know of a lot of phones or mobile devices that are going to support it at this point because it was made so long ago. Uh, but it is a very good title. Uh, if you can get past some of the mobile gameplay problems, because mobile joysticks on a touchscreen phone are wonky. They're always wonky. I still, I, I still can't wrap my head around them. I, I try my hardest and I just can't do it. The only ones that are, quite frankly, worth talking about are Extraction and Severed. Extraction, like I mentioned before, is the on-rails shooter, uh, which actually takes place in the first game. When in the first game, though, is very important. The movies cover the lead-up to, uh, or the first movie, I should say, covers the lead-up to the fall of the USG Ishimura. Dead Space Extraction does the same thing, but does it from the colony side to the ship side. So you see it in both exact realms, which is awesome. Like if, if you are a fan of the first Dead Space game, it is worth finding a YouTube video or something just to watch it. Because just to see the story kind of unfold that way is pretty cool. You also see some other characters that you partially hear of. Uh, throughout the entirety of uh, the Dead Space, the first Dead Space game, uh, minus some of the the bigger ones that I wish we still heard more of, like uh, Elizabeth Cross or Jacob Temple. We only still hear like uh, rugs and everything from the but first didn't, ones. Didn't I know that those names? Those names. Why do I know those names? Those are the ones that killed they killed themselves, right, in the first one. Uh, they didn't kill themselves, actually. Uh, Charles, uh, Chalice Mercer. Oh, right, Charles, right, yeah, yeah, okay. Chalice Mercer, yeah, killed he had them. killed yeah. them. But Jacob uh, was the one that he had, like, tortured, right? Yeah, I'm gonna say Jacob he tortured, uh, Elizabeth he tortured. They were lovers, they were trying to get off the ship, long story short, they failed. Uh, cause Chalice ended up finding him, kidnapping him, that was it. Yeah, uh, okay, that's, and I then like, you, I know those names. Yeah, they they were very important names from the original Dead Space, for sure, but they, they were really only heard about in logs, and that was kind of the shame of it. I, mm-hmm. I kind of hoped with Extraction, because they were going to like the flip side of everything, we would kind of interact with them, because that's almost what it sounded like they were trying to do, was introduce these characters in a different way. They threw all of that out and introduced an entirely different cast. And that's what blew my mind about that game. Well, and why? so I guess. Oh, go for it. I just, I'm just curious why is is if it's another one of those like Final Fantasy where they're just kind of going a completely different direction with everything, or 
or was it an Assassin's Creed type thing where they just don't want to kind of continue that same story and want to move into a different direction with it? This gets even more frustrating than I'm even explaining it right now. Let me tell you what. Okay. Uh, the problem, more than anything, uh, I've got the, the list of names up here now, finally. There's Sam Caldwell, Lexine uh, Murdoch, uh, Nathan uh, McNeil, Gabe Weller, Warren Eckert, Nicole Brennan, who you do see again, who is again Isaac's love interest, uh, and Karen Howell. Karen Howell is one that we hear of in a couple uh, recordings throughout Dead Space 1. Uh, she is actually the ship's botanist, uh, and she also serves to help with uh, Nicole on the medical deck a little bit. Uh, but that is as far as we know about her, unfortunately. We don't get much more about like what it is she did in the past or anything like that. Uh, Nicole Brennan, we've already kind of gone into a little bit more, uh, but this was actually before uh, she had actually committed suicide uh, and in hopes of like trying to not actually like hurt anybody else. Like, that was like you started to see that as like the end goal of some people. That's how far the marker had actually like stuck into people's brains. Uh, it was either if the necromorphs weren't going to get you you are quite possibly just going to make it easy for them and just create dead tissue for them. Uh, Nicole and a few others were actually trying to make sure that didn't happen because they, in their minds, did not want to be the cause of somebody else dying. Uh, that's that's the, the other side of the... What's that? Right, explain that logic. I'm going to prevent them from getting dead tissue, so I'm going to kill myself. And in a lot of me uh, measures, that meant throwing yourself off the ship or ah, doing something okay. else. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that that so, was the that was the missing part that I was that was not following. I, I was like, that seems like it's um, kind of uh, not going to work out too well for your your plans there. Little little, little counterproductive, maybe. You know. <laughs> but yes, okay. If like you like obliterate yourself or something like that, right? Yeah, you the the whole point was to not leave anything left right uh that was by all attempts basically what was uh what was being left over uh so you have uh the the main ones that are honestly like worth talking about throughout this this game gabe weller and lexine murdoch those are the two that actually carry over into uh dead space to severed and dead space uh severed actually takes place on the sprawl uh basically like immediately prior to the first game uh the second game happening where Isaac is set free and he's able to to start to piece together what it is that's going on there. Uh Gabe and Lexine hook up and they're about to have a kit. The problem is is that Lexine is in a weird predicament. So where they've set up Isaac to be this character where he's affected by the marker, but is able to understand that he's affected by the marker, Lexine is completely immune to the marker. 100%. There is something within her system that makes it so that she cannot be in any way affected by it. Gabe, on the other hand, can be. He's a typical CEC grunt, uh, and there is nothing special about him whatsoever. What EarthGov wants to do, though, is, and of course it's going to lead to this, research the child. As always. What they, yeah, seriously. 
what they do is basically uh, kidnap Lexine, and they end up uh, trying their darndest to ensure that uh, she doesn't leave the facility without EarthGov being in tow. Gabe ends up stopping that uh, at the cost of his life, and Lexine actually gets off of the sprawl, at least so far as we can figure. Here's the problem. That's where their story ends. <laughs> oh, no! They never expand on that concept again at all. I thought they were at least going to touch base on it in a comic or do something else. But like I said, and, and if I sound mean, I'm sorry, Green, but it, it was that's what frustrated me so much about that. Because they led you on with Extraction and then built it up and severed, did a couple other things with it, like inter intermixed in Dead Space 2, shut down the entire story. And you never hear hide nor hair of what happens with Lexine or any of the others ever again. Is there any plan for more expansion on the games? Dead Space is effectively dead. Is there any because... way, like, just out of curiosity, is there any possibility that the... Uh... The rights will be picked up by another studio? No, because EA has all uh, holding rights to it. Ah, Now, unless they decide to open that up to someone else. Yeah, basically. Uh, That would be the only way, is if they said, well, we'll we'll obviously sell you this franchise, go ahead. Uh, I could possibly see that maybe, if the guys at Visceral wanted to, maybe they could pick it up and do their own thing on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, pull up another Hellblade because, thank God, please just just get EA out of the mix and show it how it's supposed to be for once. <sighs> <I'll stick laughs> um, but that's I'm not angry. You're angry. Yeah, I'm not angry. You're angry. Everybody's angry. I'm not angry anyway. The that's unfortunately where I think it's going to stay. Uh, what we have with the ending of Dead Space Three and what we have with the ending of Severed. With Lexine escaping, uh, effectively, I think that's where it's going to end. Unless EA decides that they want to open up some more stuff, that's the only other possibility. Uh, There are a couple other things I have not talked about because I didn't get a chance to really, like, refresh myself on them. Uh, There are two comic books. The first comic book, though, I've kind of touched base on. It's easy to find because it's up on YouTube. They actually did a... uh, a graphic novel version of it, which I thought was awesome. Uh, but in the lead up for the game being released, they completely released it uh, as a, a graphic visual novel. Uh, voice acting and the whole nine. It was super cool. Yes. Super cool. Uh, the second one, however, which I think is called Salvage, uh, that one covers some of the events of Carver a little bit more. Uh, I, I kind of summed up what was going on there because, again, he lost his uh, wife and child. Uh, but that's effectively as far as that point gets. Uh, that's at least the wind up to everything. There, There's some extra pieces behind it, but I can't remember it for the life of me because, like I said, Carver is not a character I'm necessarily interested in. Huh. Interesting. Blue? And I'm going to... I'm going to take one more shot because this one's for you, Visceral. <laughs> Sadness. If I had any drinks in my... No, I wouldn't because it's carpet here. I would not pour it <laughs> here. I'm sorry. I tried. I tried. I tried. 
It's the thought that counts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this one's uh, this is the mature rated one anyway. I'll talk about drinking. So. Mm-hmm. That's... I guess I'll, I'll kind of open up the floor uh, again if there are any questions. I have covered it, I think, as best as I can. Uh, unless there's something that I did not expand on enough. Uh, yeah. Chat, you're more than welcome to ask questions, too. Yeah, no, definitely. Because, um, yeah, I mean, the only question I would have, too, is about the the individual who's immune, obviously. Lexine, yeah. Yeah, it would be... That would be an interesting thing to expand on, obviously. But I mean, and that's and that's just kind of the sad thing about reality, kind of forcing the way into into this this great fantasy world of ours that we that we have is you know sometimes sometimes stories get cut before they before their time. Um, yep. And that's that always it never it's never fun. That's you know same as books books that'll happen too. You know, my oh, my gosh. example is like Wheel of Time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? okay. I'm thinking more like books that are just taking forever to be finished because the writer has kind of written himself into a corner type thing. Oh, well, I don't want to talk about Game of Thrones. I'm not talking about <laughs> Game of Thrones. I'm talking about Mr. Patrick Rothfuss, who's never finished the Name of the Wind series. I'm not bitter. You're bitter. I'm not bitter. <laughs> Is he? I so, thought you. Is he still working? I don't know. Anyways, I supposedly, but someday, maybe, maybe we'll. Get I never. I never. Yeah, I never got into that particular series. So, hmm. uh, but yeah. So no, is Isaac uh, immune, or is he just immersed in it? Is he is able to perceive its desires? That's from Vegemite from chat. Well, I'll leave that actually to you guys first. What do you What do you think? I think I think it's the latter, um, because. The thing is, is like, I don't know, like the entire concept. And I I really now I really wish, you know, more than anything that they would do like a book or something like not like they haven't, but like a um, a more dedicated book kind of explaining the marker a little bit, Mm -hmm. because like that's a really interesting um, twist on something is that it actually changes like the the way that an individual takes up the world around them and it 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 literally changes the the perception not necessarily anything else and it's it's you know the argument of the mind over matter type thing um but i think that from from what i was understanding with isaac is that it's not that he's immune it's actually that he just knows that it's happening and so of course then that begs the question if you know what's happening can you you know what can you do against it you're more you're more like right you're more you're more aware of what's happening so yeah because it's not i mean to me is that is that correct beard like it sounded like no one was really immune until what's her face yeah lexine is the only one within dead spaces lore so far as we know that is like 100 percent immune to this uh, again, the signal can actually be uh, affected to you from anywhere from like basic headaches uh, all the way up to being a murderous psychopath. Uh, and it, is it turns so okay. and, and and sorry, real quick, Green, just mm-hmm. question on that on that degree of um, influence. 
you am I am I remembering it correctly? And when you were saying that that's due to grief, that's what's feeding it. It's based on emotion to a point. It is it is based on uh, what the the weakest nature is on the person's uh, brain mm-hmm. and how they're kind of feeling per that moment, if you will. That's the the best way I can kind of describe it. Uh, in the instance of Isaac, however. His is, again, a really weird case because he's feeling grief in Dead Space 2, but in Dead Space 1, it's, for lack of a better way to put it without sounding like Undertale, determination. He's after the ideas of, like, trying to save Nicole more than it is the ideas of, you know, he she's dead and he knows it at this point. No, he's trying to save her. So if okay. he knew that she was dead... How would Isaac take that information? Would it be the same thing? Would he be able to now at this point handle the symbols and be able to decode them easily on his own, etc.? Is it that a possibility? And as weird as it is, I want to say that no, I don't think that Isaac would be in the same predicament. Uh, his was a very, it was a slow moving kind of way where the marker kind of took hold. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was able to not necessarily feel any headaches or anything from it, but still actually decode the marker signal could possess that hope that, no, he is able to actually uh, not feel any full effects by it. Uh, that's where this this wishy-washy idea behind the lore might be. Uh, but again, Isaac is a weird case. Right. But no, uh, to, to answer the the question succinctly... Isaac is very much affected by the marker. Uh, he is one of those that is actually a focal point for the markers to create new markers and to also lead uh, those that are as necromorphs or otherwise to the glorious land of convergence. So, okay, coming from a not dead space background whatsoever. It the way it sounds is it sounds like Isaac has psionic abilities to to inter not necessarily interact but at least like you were you were saying decode it. Whereas the girl who is not affected by it whatsoever is um, psionically mute, and mm-hmm. everybody else does not have as high as psionic powers to be able to decode it or um, they're even they, feel it right like they're affected by it. They're high enough to be affected by it, but not actually be able to manipulate it. Or I guess you don't really manipulate it. You manipulate the ability to sense it or even just be blind to it. It's just interesting because it, it keeps screaming psionics towards me. As far yeah. as like this whole, this whole talk. I, I mean, I know we're talking very much so in a biological scientific standpoint, but at this, at the, uh, at the same time, it's like, okay, is it or is it not? Well, but I mean, I think that ties into the concept of the hive mind, right? I mean, that, that right. I mean, Green, correct, correct me here, but psionic, when you say psionics, are you talking, what, what aspect of psionics? Are you talking about like telepathy, telekinetic? What I mean, because it sounds like. about the same as like death world psionics. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, So, like, more of a tele... Because, I mean, it almost sounds like there's also a uh, telekinetic component as well, right? 
because I mean, you take on the big bad moon. That's not a Death Star. It is a moon, actually. That's no Death Star. That's a moon. Um, you know, you take that on by throwing pebbles at it. At the end. Or did I completely mishear that? I think I think that's what we were talking about. Um, so, I mean, like, as far as, like, the psionic component there, I would... I think that's where I would I would agree completely, and I think that that doesn't invalidate the um, excuse me the I don't think it invalidates the biological aspect if you take it as a possible explanation of the the hive mind piece mm-hmm. because the the uh, I mean okay well I mean just going off the Death World series right you know the Death World the psionic component component there. Uh, with the um, bah, 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 the I just blanked on the beast, but I guess it was all animals on Death World. But like the speakers that they, the psionic component right. that they had, I mean that was that was definitely telepathy more so than anything. There wasn't well, was really. In, a, well, no, because they had empathy. They had, yeah, well, and the, that was I, how it was primarily based was based off of empathetic thought. Right, and he did have a bit of telekinetic components too, because he pushed the dice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean, but yeah, I, I have to agree. I think that's, I think that's really accurate. I'm, I'm just still in thrall of the, uh, the way that they get around the really cool, the really stupid problem of humanity being dumb about misusing power like i I just think like having having the marker have that insidious quality where it actually like worms its way in and makes it where you want to do it i think is just a really it's it's beautifully simple but it also answers like one of the most annoying like loopholes that i or plot holes i guess that i always see in games like that and I think that's I think that's awesome. I still want to know more about the effects of the marker. Just from mm, from a from a phenomenological standpoint, that's a really fascinating component because yeah. it's it's again it's taking that idea that what you think and how you perceive your reality can mm-hmm. can in a way I mean not that it can't it can't overwrite your reality. But it it does have a large. It's a large component in shaping how you respond to that. And I'm just kind of curious. Like again, I'm just curious. Like, is that is that from like an emotional quotient, or you know, how how does the marker decide on how strong it affects an individual? Does it you know? And it does sound like there's there's a two, it's a two way street. Like not only does the marker kind of affect it differently. Um, depending on the person, it seems like mm-hmm. there are, there are, there are biologically more, uh, well, kind of like going back to green's thing, more, uh, receptive individuals on a psionic scale, as well as people who, yeah, I mean, which, I mean, there's just so many combinations here. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, if someone who is super receptive doesn't have the emotional, weakness like Mm -hmm. does it does it affect them like even though they have the biological uh, like 
I, I don't I, I hesitate to call it a weakness really, but it kinda well, is. It's the thing well that gets into the whole topic of whether or not and how strongly it affects each emotions because we right, are right. constantly That's, yeah. barraged by emotions. Right, we are right. we are beings of emotion. Yes, I, I, I mean, I, that, but I mean, that's why I find it interesting is the psychological aspect of it is, is, uh, it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of potential in my mind. Right. For that, 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 that entire concept and world is very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Right. I gotta say, that's the, that's the overalls behind it. Like there's so many different factors that need to be kind of taken into account when you have an individual that's affected by the marker. Uh, if you look back at the readings on uh, Dead Space Martyr and you read about how it affected Michael Altman, uh, it was very similar to what it was with um, with Isaac mm-hmm. because he had nothing that necessarily influenced him. So he was able to take on those signals. He felt some headaches, uh, but he was then able to understand the signals and decode them. Uh, it still basically wound up in his death because he was the even EarthGov was like unsure of like what they needed to do with the thing, but he was one of the only people that was able to decode it early on, and that was such a weird thing for you know EarthGov to see with all the other scientists that they had. Like they had all these other brilliant people that were around the marker early on. And it came down to this geologist, this one guy that was able to actually dig in enough to say that, no, this is what's happening. That was the the major difference that we saw with Dead Space Martyr was that you've got a planet, for lack of a better way to put it, full of idiots with this one dude that seemed to be able to go ahead and actually decode what was going on 200 years prior to Isaac Clarke. Hmm. And, you know, to me also... The thing that immediately comes to mind is like this. I can make up variables. I can make up variations all day, but like, how would that, how would that affect a sociopath? Right. Right. I mean, cause I mean, that's, that's arguably like if, if it wasn't mm. for the events in dead space too, I would argue that's what Isaac is. Right. Well, and here's the, the kind of cool thing. So I'll, I'll go into a, a single record that is actually talked about. Uh, in the original Dead Space, you might be slightly familiar with this one, might not be. Uh, but there was a miner on the colony that was actually brought up to the USG Ishimura. Uh, and this miner was actually going on a murderous rampage. He showed no signs of any kind of uh, murderous tendencies at all prior to the marker being brought into the colony. He ends hmm. up going up to the USG Ishimura. He starts to do the same thing. So realistically, it seems like there is this adverse effect where it's able to kind of tie into the psychological in a way, pull out the deeper, uh, darker portions of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the other question would be, though, was that person under those tendencies again or not? And again, that goes into psychosomaticism. Of, uh, right. Is I mean, of, I guess, I guess my point is like a true, like a true biological sociopath is someone mm-hmm. who, who just like literally ha- is, well, and I guess you, I, I mean, that brings up a huge psychological argument of like, can a sociopath actually experience, I guess, no, because 
I'm not talking about, I'm not really talking about sociopaths as much as like, I mean, there are cases in which sociopaths exhibit no emotion. Like literally it is no emotion. And, and that's a very, it's a very rare form of sociopath or sociopathy, but it does have, it has happened. And that's, that's actually Mm -hmm. the instance that I'm thinking is like a person who has literally no emotion, like, right. Is like that would be, you know, whenever we start talking about like psychological manipulation and stuff like that, those are like the first instances, the outliers that come to mind because it's like, what in this crazy, in this crazy environment, what would this person do? Like, is this, or is that, is that how what's her face is immune? Right. Like, you know, is it because she just doesn't, I don't know. That's, we shall never know, shall we? I'm going to say that's the problem. We we don't have enough records that really go into it because that's where that's where I kind of like talking about uh, Dead Space a little bit more than I do some of the others that are out there because it does deal so heavily in the psychological. Uh, it isn't just about the horror aspects, and that's the thing I love about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the the mainstay of the game is there to keep you interested as an action horror title, but the actual uh, ideas behind the marker, uh, the ideas behind what is actually going on with Isaac and the others that are around him, these are all psychologically related. And it takes this different look that you, at least I personally haven't seen in a game before, uh, even coming from, as I mentioned earlier, somebody that dealt with Silent Hill. Silent Hill takes well, yeah, a completely yeah, different Silent, idea on yeah. psychology versus what you'll have here with Dead Space. But mm-hmm. that's more because there's a manipulative factor that exists within the game versus not, versus being religion versus not. There's these these different these different outtakes and how a marker literally influences a religion. Like, right. Blech. Well, and I think I mean, for me at least, that makes sense why it would influence a religion. Because right. that's the most insidious way, and I, I mean that in all respect to the religion, that's the most effective way to um, affect a culture is mm-hmm. is exactly that, right. is through the religious. I mean, I, I think that's, to me, that makes a lot of sense. But I mean, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, oh God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to, this makes me go want to go watch the, the cutscenes of all of these things again. So congratulations, you got me you got me hooked on it now that I can't play it. I'm gonna say I uh I guess I did my job effectively yeah. then. You did your job effectively. Congratulations, sir. We'll see we'll see you Friday. Yeah, really. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> your payment for this episode is you're exactly paying. zero. Yeah, <laughs> Let me see. Take the take the number and do it by 10 but divide it by and carry it take the zero DNA, split by this and turn it into this, a little face hugger and carry, you got yourself a pet carry carry yourself oh yeah just take the teeth out that's all that takes oh boy that's what no that's what she did she detoothed it alex is a genius yes detoothed it well yeah because if it doesn't have teeth it can't attach to your head 
That's not you. entirely sure, like certain. I mean, oh it no, no, no well, hold on to you. Yeah, it, it, okay. <laughs> let me, let me. It's still like it, it will still like sit on your head, but it can't actually mm. like injure you. It's it's really funny because it actually does sit on people's heads, and you know exactly what it's trying to do, but it is not possible. It's like it's it can't. I, I'm trying to remember it's a reverse brain slug here. I know. I'm trying to remember what they called it. I can't remember the name that they gave it. It was a it was adorable. I don't know. Well, it's also just hilarious. But all right, guys, you guys got any uh, shout outs? Beard and have any have any good how about this beard have any good resources for for dead space for anyone who who is like severely interested and may not have a lot of time to play or is there any good places to find like cut scenes or anything like that that you know of you you I mean, other, I mean YouTube, to be obviously. the best honestly but i i don't know of any channels or anything okay. like that that have done like bang up jobs for it no uh, I know that there are several playthroughs that are out there at this point. Uh, I did have, I don't think it's there anymore, but I did have an archived uh, gameplay uh, or, or full playthrough of the first Dead Space back when I was streaming a, a year ago. Uh, I don't think it's there anymore. But if uh, if I had anything, that would be one place because I was going through like every pickup and reading through every pickup besides because that's the problem with the cutscenes is you really only get like half of the ideas of what's going on. There's right. like 20 different like hidden collectibles that exist that go into further detail than anything else. And even then, if you don't restart the game and go even into the first mission just to restart like all the background logs, you miss out on so much and they don't fill you in in Dead Space 2. Like if you don't read those logs after you restart the game in DS1, You've lost it. Like, you need to go back and, like, reread those. Otherwise, Wiki. Greatest place to end up looking into. The guys that are over on the Dead Space Wiki do a fantastic job. I cannot find a single thing wrong with what they have listed. So anybody that has been involved in that project over there for the Wiki, immense props to them. Okay, I had to, I'll like, be sure to link that in to the show notes then, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to say just the, the Dead Space standard wiki links out to everything. Uh, for me, I think they do the the best job of explaining a lot of it. If you just want to, like, take a few, a couple hours, really, because that's about all it'll really take you to kind of, like, dig through a lot of the synopsis uh, just to really see what else is going on. Uh, there there are bits and pieces I have left out uh, for the sake of, like, spoilers and everything in a way, uh, especially with, like, Dead Space Martyr, only because that's kind of a, a recent thing. Uh, mm -hmm. But more than anything, like the the first game and a bunch of other stuff, it's it's been out for ten years already. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and you know, if you're listening to a, a podcast about a a game series, you're gonna kind of need to be ready for spoilers in my mind. Spoilers, especially ten years old. Yeah, it's it's bound to happen. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, Green, do you have any or Beer? Do you have any other shoutouts? Uh, right now, not too much. Uh, yay for 2018. Uh, just be good to each other. Uh, that's honestly the only message I have right now with all the other blue that's going on right now. Uh, just be good to each other. If you have any problems or anything like that that you need to voice or talk about, I am always reachable on Twitter. Please feel free. Reach out to me. 
Uh, uh, if we can, if Blue, you could just link the the suicide hotline in the uh, show notes yeah, this definitely. week too. I think definitely. I'd, I'd like that. Yeah, definitely. But those are my my major definitely things. Definitely. Cool. Green. What about what about you? It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I tried my best. I tried my best. I don't know if I'll have any nightmares tonight, especially with the with the plushy plushy, but I will know. <laughs> I love how the one that she's going to take away from this isn't even from the game. <laughs> right. Right. It's a totally different franchise. <laughs> but, you know, it's fine. I've seen some of the other it's pictures. A, I don't I don't need them. I'm good, guys. I'm good. I'm good, guys. But uh, I, I'm good. Uh, my shout outs, kind of just to reiterate what Beard said, just talk to people, even if you don't think like they're necessarily there to listen just be open to talking to somebody even if it's about something really really silly and it may not be silly at all especially if it's something that's going to help you get through stuff because it's it's been a rough week for a lot of people Mm -hmm. yeah i just to kind of teeter off of that a little bit i understand that i am a content creator i understand that i have a very busy schedule but if there is anything that I can do in order to talk you through something or just be there for you, I drop everything that I am doing to do so. So please keep that in mind. I have no problems if I need to, to put down whatever I am doing. If it means that you just need somebody to talk to, I understand that that's, that's kind of quote unquote coming with the job where I am I am somebody that you guys kind of look up to and I am 100% approachable that way. Uh and I'm I'm pretty sure that goes for the other two that are here in this room right now too. Yep. Like that is 100% don't, true. Don't don't think that we are not we're we're just like heads that are talking at you. We are legitimately here as a community to support each other. So Though if it does make it better, know. we will totally take the heads talking at you. If I can, if I just, I want, I want to be the 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 Oz, the great Oz. <laughs> you know, you do I, not I, need. I'll totally any, be. I'll totally be okay with that. <laughs> bigger head syndrome. So what I'm on that. What I'm hearing is when I see you at Guardian Con this year, I need to give you a curtain. And you will understand. You know the, I will the, bring the my little dog. You know the J-pop uh, <laughs> band that has the giant inflatable heads? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Just the amount of glee that's giving him to think about this. I I don't I don't even know how I talk to you anymore. Oh, I wait, I was the one talking throughout yeah, yeah. this entire yeah. episode. I don't, I, don't know what I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, big shout out um, again. Thank you, Beard, uh, for for bringing all this information to us. I know mm-hmm. I was really, I was actually really excited about it. Was just listening. I always really enjoy the extra lore stuff because it gives me a chance to kind of get a one on one, almost a one on one interaction with someone who really knows, you know, other games and other stuff like that. And it's very approachable. Um, and then, as we said before. Uh, Warhammer 40k is going to be next month's it's our sorry this month's conversation so next month's episode is going to be on that 
Um, it's already going pretty fast in discord. And then other than that, yeah, I mean, just like beard has said, you know, and green has said as well. Um, if you guys have any problems, if you have any questions, if you have just someone that you need to talk to, uh, I think any of us, any of the mod team, any of the, any of the team with focus fire, especially is a hundred percent open door policy. So Let's run through outro, and then we might stay around for a little bit of an after show. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating on iTunes as well. Reminder that we do try to stream a recap of the month-long Extra Lore conversations on the first Wednesday of each month, but if we do have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at focusfirechat. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.